There are some things that only God can do. Would you stand with me this morning if you have your Bibles? I want you to go to the book of Acts, chapter 27. We will begin in verse 9. I have waited for a few weeks to press this into your spirit because I feel like it would involve most of us, including myself, on both sides of the scripture this morning. Acts chapter 27, verse 9. You have it, you can say amen. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only the cargo of the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the hillsman and the owner of the ship by the things spoken by. And because the harbor, harbor excuse me, was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, the harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. I want to preach to continue our series when storms come. And I want to speak about storms today that involve you, but you didn't bring them upon yourself. A family member, a situation, a sickness, something happened in your life that now you're involved in a storm, but you didn't cause it. You didn't ask for it. Herschel, you didn't, you didn't wake up and, you know, sometimes we make mistakes, I have, and bring storms upon myself. I know I'm probably the only one that's done this, but I've even seen a time or two and brought some things upon myself. Anybody else been there? Me and Joe Singleton, the only two people in the house that sinned. So that scripture that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God does not apply to the North Walhalla Church of God besides me and Joe. I'm with you, Joe. I'm gonna plead grace. I wanna teach on that for a few moments. Let me give you an example before you're seated. I've not had a speeding ticket, Anthony, in almost 15 years. 15 years, probably. It's not because I don't drive fast. I probably do a time to time. But it's because I'm really tight and don't like to spend money. So I'd rather drive the speed limit or close to it. Uh, that way, I don't have to pay government money that they're probably going to get anyway. You understand? Well, last Sunday, I was really tired. We had meetings all day long. Two Sunday services. Church didn't get out to nine o'clock. It was a powerful Sunday evening service. Brian Harris was here preaching. Went back home, changed, got a shower because I needed one. And TJ Galloway, one of our young ministers, says, Pastor, I'll ride with you instead of riding the bus to keep you away. Very much needed. We didn't even get past Clemson. Hadn't had a speeding ticket, Tommy, I think almost 15 years. But because of that spirit that was distracting me, I didn't bring that on myself, you understand? No, that was not the case. TJ actually said, Pastor, I don't understand why you saw the cop that you bright lighted him and slammed on brakes. That, that may be the reason I got a ticket, I don't know. But let me tell you this, the favor of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, he asked me, he said, where have you been and where are you going? I said, I just came from church and I'm going to a youth camp. And he gave me a warning. Praise God for favor. Amen. Amen. 
So I'm going to blame that one on TJ. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, today is going to be a good day right here. Because I believe if everybody is honest, this applies to us. This applies to everybody. This should not be hard. It should not be something that really presses the mantle. It should be something that should be easily received. We have people in this house who have raised their children in godliness, wholeness, holiness, truth. And today their children are wayward. There are people in this house whose spouses are living in sin right now. And they've been faithful. And they need to know how to make it, Pastor. They want to know how can I make it through this storm that I didn't even bring upon myself. I believe scripture will help us and teach us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may be seated. The word comes to a prophet, a man of God. He said, rise up, go preach to this wicked city by the name of Nineveh. The man of God hears the word and does not like the word. The word does not impress him. In fact, the word is almost makes him nauseous because he sees God trying to reach people that he finds unworthy, unfit, ungodly, and to put it mildly, finds people that are not worthy of the power, grace, and word of God. That man of God says, I'm not going. I'm going to Joppa. I'm going to find a boat there with a few men who will let me buy a ticket and I'm going to get on that boat. And Joe, I'm going the opposite way of Nineveh. He goes down to that city, that port city, and he buys a ticket. Scripture says he pays a fare, gets into that boat and goes fast asleep. While he is sleeping, a storm arises. That storm is so powerful that it begins to make these mariners, these men who are skilled at navigating on the seas, they are now afraid to begin to cry out to their gods. As they're crying out to their gods, nothing has been done. There, there is no relief. Their false gods we know cannot hear them. All of a sudden, one of them goes to the man, I believe, because he's sleeping, and they don't understand why he's sleeping in the storm. So they go down to that preacher, that backslidden prophet, that backslidden preacher, and ask him, how can you sleep in this? What's going on? And a conversation takes place, and they come to find out that the reason that they're in the storm is because that this preacher is disobeying God. These men have done nothing wrong. In fact, they showed great kindness, but because of their kindness, now because of somebody else's actions, deeds, thoughts, decisions, now they're involved in a storm. Yes, Satan can bring us storms. Yes, natural causes can bring us storms. And yes, we can bring storms upon ourselves. But I want you to hear me today, saints. There are some storms that you're involved in right now or some storms that might involve you tomorrow that you had nothing to do with them. You didn't cause it. 
You didn't ask for it, you didn't want it, but because of somebody else's actions, now you're involved in a storm. A daughter who's living in sin, a son that's lost his mind, a spouse that has other interests even though you've been faithful. You pray, you tithe, you're saved, you give, you love your preacher, you love your church, but yet you find yourself in the middle of a storm because some Jonah in your life has disobeyed God. I've got a word for you this morning. I've got something that I want to put in your spirit. Just because a storm is changing the circumstances of your life doesn't mean the storm has to change you. In fact, before I close this sermon, I'm going to show you that that storm should be the very thing that lets you fulfill your ministry if you would just obey God. Look to your neighbor and say, he's preaching. Would you do that for me this morning? When I come to grips and realize that I'm in a storm, I didn't bring it upon myself, but I'm in it. Now what do I do? My thesis today, the nail that I'll hang my, my picture that I'm trying to paint is this. Acts chapter 27, Paul is dead set on going to Rome. He is in this mindset and he comes to a place as a prisoner though and he finds himself in a port city and God begins to deal with him. The wisdom of God, the discernment of the spirit and he begins to deal with him and he knows that if we get in this boat, there's gonna be trouble. He tells them there's gonna be trouble. We shouldn't leave this city. They begin to calculate how much money they're gonna lose and the almighty dollar says, we're leaving this port. Paul says, if you leave this port, then there's gonna be great harm, great loss, and great destruction. The problem is this, Joy. He has a word. He has wisdom. He has anointing, but he has no control of his situation. See, we like to have control, but I want you to hear me. Sometimes cancer strikes, and we have no control. Sometimes your kids lose their mind and we have no control. Sometimes a doctor gives you a bad report. Sometimes a church member makes a decision. There are gonna be some times in your life that you want to have control, but you don't have control. And it's in those moments you've got to learn to trust God. Just because you don't have control of the will doesn't mean God doesn't have control of the will. There's only some things that Satan can do to you. I still believe that God can build a hedge about you. I still believe that angels can have charge over you. I thank God for those angels. I don't see them. I don't know what they look like. I hadn't had a conversation with them, but I know that I know that I know that the devil can't do anything that God doesn't allow because my God is madly in love with me and he is still in charge of my life. Come on, give God praise. There's a hedge built there. There's anointing that is applied there. And there's still God's providential sovereign plan that must be played out, which lets us know that even though you didn't cause it, 
You warned against it. You told them that that relationship wouldn't last. You told them that that drug wouldn't fix it. You told your child that they would fall and yet they still went their own way. That's not your fault. You didn't have control over it. But let's be honest. You feel the blunt of it. You feel the agony of it. You pray. You've lost sleep. You've lost weight. All that rests on your shoulders. And you say, Pastor, how can I make it through this storm? I'm glad you asked because I want to show a few things with you. Are you ready for this this morning? There's only two things that I want to give you. First of all, when you've done what's right and you told them what was going to happen, but yet find yourself in the storm, you've got to always hold on to this. Man may lie, but God is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Simply put, you've got to hold on to the promises of God. If God said it, it's settled, and it's over. If God said he's going to save you, baby, you need to get up every morning, even if they're in jail, in the bar room, in the back alley, or needle their arm. You need to get up every morning and say, my God cannot lie. If you can't sing anything else, start making up your own words, find your own tune, find your own key. I sing in the key of G, stands for great. <laughs> Nobody else likes it, but me and God, we got this thing worked out. He gave me this voice, so evidently he likes it. You understand? I've come to let you know, if God promised you this, then it will come to pass. Acts 27 and 24 it says this, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Acts 23 and 11, two chapters before this, excuse me, three. He says, as you testified in Jerusalem, you will also testify in Rome. Listen, that doesn't mean that there wasn't gonna be hard roads. Listen up. I've got something to say in the next 20 minutes. Some of you, you want cakewalks in your Christianity. God's not promised you that. Some of you want salvation and then vacation. My goodness. God's not promised you that. Some of you want to pray for your child and then every devil just fall dead because you said a little prayer. It doesn't work like that. See, we've got this mentality of modern church on our terms. It doesn't work like that. There's going to be some sleepless nights because somebody else did you wrong. There's going to be some prayer days and some fasting times because your spouse is not living godly. God never promised you an easy road. A preacher ever since I started serving God, my friends are leaving me. My dog don't even like me. I've lost my job. I feel for you, but I'm going to be very bold for you this morning. You got to get over it. That's not the promises of God. In fact, they're opposite. Those that live godly, you're going to be persecuted. See, God didn't promise you that. You've got the yellow brick road mentality. You're skipping along, speaking in tongues, singing in psalms. Everybody likes you. Your dog, you, you don't even have to feed your dog. You're so anointed, food manna falls from heaven into your dog pen. 
I don't know who told you or what preacher bewitched you to convince you that that's what faith is about. My faith is about storms and giants and, and Goliaths and fiery furnaces and walking in lion's den and, and going to back alleys and, and being shipwrecked and having people cuss you out for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being punched in my face in one city for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Having people walk out and having people live leave for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what God you serve, but there's been many, many storms in my life. But I know this, my God is not changed in the storm. His anointing is not diminished in the storm. His power is in faith in the storm. He is still God in the storms of your life. So first of all, when somebody else brings a storm in your life, go back to the promises of God. I feel him. Somebody needs to go get your marriage certificate. And you need to start walking around your house this morning. I, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, oh, that preacher's crazy. You call it crazy. I'm trying to keep them out of, out of a judge seat. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody, you need to go get your marriage certificate. And you need to walk around your house thanking God for your marriage. Even though it's rocky right now. Even though you said something bad last night. Even though you're not fulfilling scripture because you let the sun go down on your wrath. Somebody needs to go start claiming that marriage back and say, we're one flesh. Now, I don't like part of my flesh right now, but we're one flesh. Didn't God give you a promise? Somebody needs to go back to your child's bedroom when you get home. Lay across that bed. Oh, preacher, you Pentecostals are crazy. You call it what you want to call it. I don't care. I remember a man of God that laid and that body came back to life. I am satisfied with my theology. You've got to be satisfied with yours. You either have to believe that all the miracles ceased or God is still able to do miracles. I believe that he is who he says he is. I am comfortable in my theology. So I'm telling somebody, go back to your child's room. Get that baby picture out. You know the one that you told everybody, isn't this the prettiest baby that ever lived? And everybody lied at you because they realized it, you, you're, anyway, that's okay. Go back and get those white shoes. Anybody, you remember when they used to take the white baby shoes and bronze them and put them up? Anybody, did y'all do that in Wahala? Amen. You remember the little baby prints that you put in there? So what, you and your child are not getting along right now. So what, that they don't like you because they don't like your God. I'm telling you right now, go back to the promises of God. Paul had a promise to stand before Rome. Didn't mean it wasn't gonna be some sleepless nights. Did not mean that there wasn't gonna be 14 days that the sun didn't shine. It didn't mean that he wouldn't get sick in the boat. You understand? But it didn't mean this though. There wasn't no well, boat, lightning that was gonna kill the apostle. Because God said you're going to Rome. I don't know what storm you in. But if God gave you a promise, the promises of God are yea and amen. It didn't look like the storm was gonna cease. It didn't look like that Paul would make it, but he made it to the other side. And then when you get on the other side, you don't have to thank everybody for staying true because you know if it had not been for the Lord, you wouldn't have made it to the other side. And when they ask you how you made it, don't take credit for it. 
well, I'm just a good seaman because I know my daddy took me fishing on Lake Kiwi when I was a boy. Nonsense. You made it because God put his hand against the storm and God gave you a word in the storm and God gave you a promise. When you can't stand on nothing else, stand on the promises of God. Paul had a word and that word kept him in the storm. Secondly, this morning, I want you to get this. This is what God really breathed upon me. When the storm comes to you, even though you don't like it because somebody else brought it, I want you to remember the storm doesn't change who you are. That's good. When Paul's ministering in the storm, there came a point in verses 33 to 36 that Paul has now got them believing that they're going to make it. And in those four verses, what Paul does is this. He recognizes their needs and begins to minister to their needs. He encourages them. He takes food and makes food for them and begins to meet their needs in a storm. Now watch this now. This is where you gotta get it. Who is he feeding in the storm? He's feeding the very people that brought on the storm. Don't tell me how anointed you are and what you call to do if you can't stand in the storm and be kind and still minister to people that brought the storm on. You can get it or not, I really don't care. But that's a word for somebody in this house today. Anybody can sing Kumbaya on Sunday morning at North Wahala when the band's playing. But give me somebody in the storm who says, like a true mama, or true daddy, who looks out the window when the prodigal's returning and doesn't say, well, you know what? It was their fault. You know what? I'm going to knock him down a rank, and I'm going to put him out there. I'm not going to let him feed the hogs, but I'm going to put him over the grass cutting on the back 40 so nobody can't see him. No, that's not what we do in the storm. A true man or woman of God in the middle of the storm won't always blame the ones who brought the storm on. Why? Because the longer you play the blame game, the longer you stay in the storm. Is anybody listening? The longer you want to play patty cake with issues that are beneath you, the longer you don't reach your destiny. So you can play in the kiddie pool, patty cake with people that'll hear you. Oh, there'll always be somebody that will listen who will tell you, oh, Paul, I... How dare they do that to you? Oh, Paul, you're so anointed. How dare they put you in that storm? Oh, Paul, I can't believe. That's good. That's sympathy. And people that are not ready to go forward, that's all they want. It wasn't my fault. Thank God. I got two people. They're like the people on Hee Haw that sing, oh, doom and despair and agony on me. Right? Rocking that one or two friends in overalls from Salem that'll stand by your side doing everything else that's going on, right? Is anybody listening? There's two people that'll be on your side right there that you'll listen to and they'll tell you what you want to hear. But let me tell you what the word says. The word says you are who God says you are. The word says that God's called you and gifted you and there's a calling in your life. Listen to me. And the storm does not take away your calling. I know there's somebody who's judging you right now because your child's not in church. 
And they're saying things like this. If he was really anointed, that his child would be singing in the choir. How dare he tell me what to do? He can't even correct his own child. How can he tell me? Those type people are small, trivial people that have their own issues and they're covering up their issues by focusing on your issues. Brother Donald, you don't know if they have issues. Yeah, I do. They got a bad attitude. Because if they really were a man or woman of God, they'd be praying for your child. I, I tell every leader, think of that person as your child. You'll never go wrong. Because you will always plead blood and grace over your child instead of calling brimstone on somebody else's. Paul is still the same man that he was before those men made a bad decision. So in the middle of the storm, he calls them together. He saves their life by telling them, if you don't jump out of this boat, you will make it. Then he begins to feed them. He says to the man who hasn't eaten in 14 days, let me make you some food. You look tired. You look like you can need some help. So then he starts serving in the middle of the storm. He is serving the very people that did him wrong. You want revival? You want a breakthrough? You want to be God's man or God's woman? Then in the middle of your storm, the one that you didn't bring on yourself, you start serving, take the towel, get on your knees, and start loving the people that did you wrong, and you will have a revival like you have never seen. The storm is no excuse for you not to be godly. The storm is no excuse for you not to fulfill your calling. Well, Brother Nolan, my wife won't support me. It's fine. Use some wisdom. You may not be, you may not be able to pastor right now, but you can still minister. Every day on your job is a pulpit. Every day. Brother Nolan, financially, my husband, our credit card is $30,000. I didn't even know about it. And now we've got a storm in our life. You can't shoot him. You can't just say, well, I'm not gonna pay it. I didn't do it because you're, you're one flesh. Hello? You can't blame the devil. The devil didn't make him buy 44-inch tires and rims so he can ride through Wahala <laughs> listening to Garth Brooks. It's his fault. It's a storm that you didn't ask for, but now it's your storm. So now you can't get up every morning and put it in his face. You've got to have a plan, a plan of action. You might have to work a few extra hours, but who knows? By working those extra hours, there may be somebody lost at your job. You may be the most anointed woman at Walmart greeting somebody with a sticker and a smiley face saying, welcome to Walmart. But let me tell you this, you don't have to lose your anointing and you don't have to have an attitude while you're doing it and you don't have to put it in their face every day. Now listen, I'm not saying be stupid either. I know this, he wouldn't have another credit card. It would have been an allowance like he's never seen, like he's eight years old and just got grass. Bologna sandwiches with mayonnaise and when I really wanted to help him out, I might throw a, a piece of cheese on there just to make him happy, you understand? I'm not saying not use wisdom. But I'm telling you this, God can use that storm for you to minister. And what you thought was gonna kill you because somebody else did you wrong could be the very platform that you say, God is still God. Now I don't like it, 
I didn't ask for this when I married you. I didn't ask for this, God, when I started the ministry. I didn't ask for this when I started North Walhalla. God, I don't like it. But I know this, you're still God. And I'm still called. And even though they made a bad decision, I'm gonna love them in the middle of the storm. Paul is still a preacher in the storm. He's still an apostle in the storm. He's still meeting needs in the storm. He didn't do it. They brought the storm on him. If it had been us, this is what we'd have done. We'd have took that apple and we'd have been eating our apple. This is the apple, I know it's an ugly apple, but this is the apple. And we would have done this. I'm not giving you any of my apple. You're the one that made a decision. I hope you starve, fall off the boat. I don't care. You've got me in this mess, T.J. Galloway. You can defend for yourself. That sounds just like Christians, don't it? We've all got that family member, don't we? Mom and dad, what has God told you about your child? You may have to eat a lot of crow over the next few years. There are parents sitting up under the sound of my voice this morning. You are so embarrassed because of the actions of your children. But I have been led by the Holy Ghost to come bring you a word today. Don't you let the enemy put any embarrassment on you. You're in a storm that you didn't cause. Don't you be embarrassed for your children. You minister to them. Ma'am, your husband's giving you a fit right now. You're saying, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Be who God's called you to be. Love your husband. Serve him. My brother, Nola, my friends told me to cuss him out, bless him out, do this. What did God tell you? Your same lonely friends that destroyed their marriage has no wisdom to speak into yours. What is the Holy Ghost telling you? Brother Nolan, my marriage is in trouble and I didn't do it, but I hear the God, God telling me every morning to cook his breakfast. But he was wrong. Somewhere I read, he says, if they hit you on this cheek, why don't you turn? I'm not talking about physical violence. I'm talking about that chance of redemption. I read somewhere that says, if they ask you to go one mile, they go a second mile. When's the last time you asked your spouse who is, and I don't know why I'm so much on marriage right now. When's the last time you asked your spouse who brought that storm upon you that you had a 1 Corinthians 13 type of love that keeps no record of wrongs and you said to them, hey, how about a date night this Friday night, an exciting date? You better fix your hair because it's gonna be the best date of your life. Oh, Brother Nola, I don't think you should say that from the pulpit, why? Why? Our marriages are in trouble because of foolishness and the Bible speaks more about that. You might even want to bring the Song of Solomon out on Friday night. It's your spouse. It's okay. Forty people said, I don't even know what that, that means, Pastor. It's okay. You're just not reading your Bible. You've been watching whatever you watch. You didn't bring the storm on. But the storm is there in the middle of the storm as the musicians come.
in the middle of the storm, Paul begins to minister. Tonight I'm going to pick up from this point. And I want to talk about the point that you've got to be all in. Unless God moves me differently, I was going to preach about launching into the deep. If he does, I'll pick up next Sunday from this point. But I've got to stop right here. In the middle of the storm, Paul begins to minister to those that even hurt him. Isn't that the place where the world sees our true Christianity? Bombing an abortion clinic is not the answer. Standing against that, absolutely. Absolutely. But what about afterwards when those ladies have guilt upon their shoulders? Do we push them down or do we throw grace out there for them and say there's a God that can forgive and wash it away? We have to minister in the storm. Brother, oh, somebody lied on me. Only one? Pastor, somebody else was talking about me. Only one? This week I had a lady bless me out because I followed a policy that I didn't even set. Let me know how much of a, a devil man that I was because I followed a procedure that's good procedure but because I didn't make an exception for her and her child. A couple years ago on Facebook, after a camp, I was destroyed for protecting a child and following procedure. For the next 24 hours, people ate me for lunch because it was said that I didn't like special needs children. And if anybody knows Neil Nolan knows that's a lie. But because of following procedure, they destroyed me. Can I tell you a little bit later on though, I was able to minister to that family in a revival. In Sherall, I had somebody do me wrong, stab me in the back. A few years later, Dino at a youth camp, their family member was at the altar. I was able to pray them through, see God sanctify them, and watch God baptize them in the Holy Ghost. If you can control you, God can control the storm. If you can control you, God can control the storm. Hear me as I close. You're still who God says you are in the middle of the storm. So this is what I want you to do this morning. Be godly. Keep loving. Keep caring. Keep ministering. Keep being who God's called you to be. Keep loving. Paul could have said, you caused this, deal with it. No, in the middle of it. Paul and Silas at the midnight hour is ministering to the Philippian jailer and his whole house gets saved. The storm is not the problem. The storm is not the problem. The problem is if the storm changes you. I've come to let you know this morning. Just because the storm is there doesn't mean it's over. In fact, I believe that's where God wants to use you. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? I pray that you see this as an encouraging word because that's my intent. Brother Nolan, my family, my job, my church, okay. If that is true, now how do we deal with it? You didn't do it. Can I tell you this, though? Even though you didn't cause it, it's still there. 
is still there. So we got to deal with it. How do we deal with it? Trusting the promises of God and ministering like we always have in the storm. I want you to hear me. You can say to yourself, if I wasn't a pastor, if I had chosen to coach football, somehow, some way, I would be a preacher on the football field. You can't outrun your calling, Jonah. David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. Jonah thought I could outrun the call of God, finds himself in a boat, ministers to the men by telling the truth, finds himself in the belly of a whale. Next thing you know, he's on the seashore, preaches the gospel. I wish I could preach like him because when he preaches, cities get saved. You listening? You can't outrun the call of God. Wherever you find yourself, when you start to do right, your calling will show every time. That's why some of us are having revivals at Ingalls. Because when my call connects with your call, and my call reaches out to the lost, and your call as an encourager, you're looking at the cash the lady behind the cash register, she's downtrodden, and even though you're in a storm and you went there just to just to buy something, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost allows you to minister to her, and the next thing you know, you're crying, you're weeping, you have a church right there at Ingalls. How does that happen? Because in the middle of the storm, you're still who God says you are. Amen. So, lift up your weary head today. Lift it up high. Quit blaming people. Quit calling everybody. Start loving people again. Start ministering. Because you're going to have to answer to a holy God one day. And your excuse, oh God, I would have done it. But that wife you gave me, that preacher you gave me, that church you gave me, that job you gave me, that son you gave me, they made me pull my hair out and I just had to quit. I pray that holds up for you because it won't hold up for me. Father, I have preached your word out of love to a mass of people that I believe who are in storms that they didn't even cause. God, they don't know how to act. What do we do? Do we quit? Do we give up? Just two things. Remember what God has said and go back to who you are and minister in the storm. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed.